Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, Happy New Year to you all. And um, if you're a guest here today or listening on podcast, um, we're so glad that you joined us today. And uh, we're having a brand new teaching series today um, called Renew. Yeah. So as, as Chris has done the whole sort of New Year's resolutions, etc., um, sometimes we feel that we shouldn't make any New Year's resolutions. Yeah, or because we get discouraged of things in the past, or I've tried it before, etc. But I'm thankful to God um, for the new year. Did you know that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, God says that he, he created lights in the sky to separate night from day, also for signs and for seasons. So God has given us a gift of the seasons. Each season represents something very different, but the new year is a season where we can, if we want to, take, take stock, reflect on the past, and make changes for the new, for the year ahead. We can do that whenever. We don't have to do that in January, as Chris has said, but we can do that whenever. But actually, it's a really, really good thing. It's a gift from God, I believe, that God has given us that opportunity to take stock, to reflect, and to make changes to go again in the future. And so January gives us a, uh, a natural time of the year to be able to do that and to reflect on that. And so this, this series, Renew, is looking at different areas that we can renew in our lives. It said of Jesus in, in Luke's account in chapter 2, verse 52, that Jesus grew in, in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. There's four areas that, that Jesus grew in. He grew in wisdom, that's mentally. He grew in stature, that's physically. He grew in favor with God, that's spiritually. And he grew in favor with men, that's relationally. And so we're going to be looking at these four different areas over the course of the next um, four weeks, or five weeks actually, but four sessions, in the whole subject of Renew. And uh, I'm going to be looking today on the first one, see if it works, called Renew Your Race. I'm looking at the, the spiritual aspect. And... Uh, I want to tell you, and I've mentioned this before, but I'll tell you again. There was a time in my life when I had even more weight than I have on today. Okay, when I was younger, growing up, my uh, people used to call me Mini Tank. Okay, that was a nickname. It was a nice nickname, wasn't it? And uh, and the one thing I used to hate at school, I love I love school. One of the things that I used to hate at school was um, cross country. I wasn't born for cross country, and I definitely wasn't born for number two, the hurdles. I can't describe it to you, but like whenever it was the summer and I knew that we had cross country, I used to hate it. But in the summer and I knew that we had to do the hurdles, I would start sweating even beforehand because my body at the time wasn't geared for jumping above these wooden frames. No way. I mean, that's, leave that to the professionals. Don't leave that to mini tank. So somehow, I remember fondly one day, it was, a, it was a bit, not fondly, I remember it fearfully one day, um, it was a beautiful day, and in the distance was a group of some of the older people in the school, and actually my brother was there, my brother he was about three years older than me, he was in there, he was in like year um, 12, uh, 11 at the time, and uh, and I knew that I had to jump these hurdles, and I literally was, I was bricking it, I was, I was not... Uh, 
you know. And I thought, I, I just can't jump. So I just, I geared myself up. It came my turn. And, and as you're standing in a queue, who hates queues? Especially when it's queuing for the hurdles. I'm in queue for a Mars bar, yeah, but not for the hurdles. And uh, I'm in standing in the queue. And then it suddenly goes to my turn. And, it's, and I'm just, oh, my heart is pumping. How am I going to do this? So I literally, and there's not just one, two, or three hurdles. There's probably about like 10 hurdles. Something stupid. So I'm literally, I'm giving myself up. And I run to the first one thinking, I'm not even sure how I'm going to do this. Thinking, am I going to jump and, and hopefully my body will fly through the sky or what am I going to do? So what I did is I decided to, to run as fast as I could. I came up with a plan. It's good to have a plan, isn't it? I ran as fast as I could between each hurdle. As I came to each hurdle, I stopped, climbed over, then ran again. I did this about 10 times. Run, stop, climb over, run again. And uh, I, for me, it was just about let's just get through this silly thing called hurdles. And as soon as I got to the last one, I was relieved. But in the distance, where my brother and this group of uh, students, I didn't even know, they, start, they started cheering and applauding this little mini tank trying to do hurdles. And uh, I look at that and think, gosh. But we, I don't know, in your, in your experience, have you ever been in a race? That wasn't a race. That was a race against the clock. It was made slower because I didn't jump over the hurdles. But we're, we are often have experience of being in races, don't we? And... Uh, I want to talk this morning a bit about and speak into about the race of faith. And the fact is, I don't know if you're here today, you might have, in your New Year's resolutions in the past, you may have made decisions. And you might have made some, some spiritual decisions. I want to, I don't know, read the Bible in a year. I want to do, spend more time with God. I want to do X, Y, and Z. And in your decision making and in the course of time, life gets on top of us and we end up not doing the things that we decided to do in the first place. Therefore, we think, well, I'm not going to then therefore make any more decisions or new resolutions because I didn't do the ones in the past. Yeah? But in our life, God wants us to go again. Our race, not just in the race of, of our spiritual lives, but in our, just doing life, God wants us to go again. And maybe in our marriages, sometimes we have a stumbling block. We have a, a block where it's a hard time in the, in the relationship of our marriages. Well, God wants us to go again. Maybe if we're a student and we, we've got exams, leave, and I think maybe the last exam you took wasn't very good. It wasn't a success. Maybe it was even, in your eyes, a failure. God would want us to go again. Maybe in our working lives, we're thinking, well, we're trying to get a job, or in the work that what I'm doing is, is not going so well. But God has got more for you and more for us. And God wants you to, to go again in your race. And I'm so glad that, that God's word today will speak into this, this issue of running our race and particularly the race of faith. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. If we just go back one, please, Jude. That's it. Just got this, uh, this thought this morning um, to bring to us. God's paths bring success, not distress. God's paths bring success and not distress. And you might be sitting here or listening and thinking, well, I'm, I'm quite good at life. I'm quite good at handling life. And you might be. But are you walking along God's, God's paths for your life? Because reality is life happens and distressful situations happen. Whether we're walking with God or not, whether we call ourselves a Christian or not, life happens. But God encourages us to walk along his paths. 
And if we walk along his paths, they will lead to success. What does success mean and look like? It doesn't mean to say that you're going to be a wealthy person or you're not going to have any challenges. It means you're going to please God. And pleasing God, if we're a Christian, is the number one aim or should be of our lives. Sometimes we're looking into God and thinking, God, I want to do this with my life. I want this to happen. I want this to work out okay. But God can do things without us, can't he? God doesn't need us. He chooses to, to, to walk with us. And his success for our lives is more about what's happening on the inside than on the outside. We have got a definition here of what, six, of what um, renew actually means. And renew means to resume an activity after an interruption. Like you might renew a campaign. It means to re-establish a relationship, to repeat a statement, um, to give fresh life or strength to something, to expend, extend a period of validity of a license, to replace something that is broken or worn out. I wonder this morning where some of us are feeling a little bit worn out or tired, or even though we've had maybe a holiday period, who knows that Christmas can be tiring, can't it? And God wants to renew us, body, soul, and spirit. He wants us to feel a renewal in our lives. He wants us to give fresh life and strength to something in our lives, and particularly to our walk, our decision to walk the pathways with him. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. We're just going to read this through. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, Hebrews 11 and, and, be, and beyond talks about some great characters in the Bible of people that have, have run the great race. People who, whose lives, some were, were killed for their faith, but great heroes of the faith. People that, if we've been around church for any length of time, people like Abraham and Isaac and the patriarchs of the faith. The faith. And we are surrounded by these people who've done life well, but we've sometimes put put them in as a pedestal and think, well, they're just great. But actually, they're no greater than you, are, you and I. They had their challenges. They messed up. But what the writer of the Hebrews encourages us to do, is, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We're encouraged to look to Jesus. Jesus ran an incredible race. It was a race of faith. Yes, he was the son of God, but he was in, not just in human form, he was a human, yet God. And he had to learn to trust the Father, even though he was a human. And so we can look to Jesus and all that he did for us. But we, it means running with endurance. Verse 3. For consider him, that's Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Everyone say discouraged. Jesus encountered so much in his time on earth. 
people that didn't stand with him, people that rejected him, people that walked away from him, disowned him, ultimately, people that killed him. And yet the writer is saying, look at Jesus. Look at the model, the example that Jesus gave for us so that you and I won't become discouraged or weary. Verse 4, you have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Verse 7 says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. I, uh, my children aren't here today and Leanne's not here. She sends her love. Leanne's um, got this viral flu thing that's going around at the moment. So, um, so I can speak plain, plainly about children. But children, you know, as a parent... You love children and you love your children and you want the best for them. But they can drive you to despair. It's just part of the course of being a parent. It really is. Of not doing as they're told or, or just making a lot of noise or when you need, you know. And it's just children. And as, a, as an earthly father, my job is to bring up my children the best I can. That means I can't always give them what they want. And sometimes I have to say, no, you can't have that now. Because if I always wanted to give Daniel or Sophia or Isabella whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted it, what sort of parenting would that be? It would lead them to a false illusion that in life they can have whatever they want, whenever they want. And they can't. Because sometimes all you have to do is wait and be patient. And, and then I have to teach my ch- children like if I need to correct my children or, or give them a consequence for their actions I need, then need to as a, as a good father not, I need to explain why I've done what they've done or why they've had the consequence that they've had and why that's important because it's about teaching them and correcting them and so much more it is with Father God if I love my children how much more do my, does, does Father God love my kids and love me and love you how much more And it involves sometimes discipline, chastening, correcting. Verse 9, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. Do you know what, as if we're a Christian here today, if you're not yet a Christian, then you're let off the hook in this few, few moments. But as a Christian, we've got a, a walk to walk and a path to walk on. As a Christian, we can't just do what we want, can we? We can do, but there is a consequence. The number one consequence is a separation from God, where we feel distance from God. Don't have to respond to this, but have you ever, even as a Christian, done something wrong and suddenly felt a distance between you and God? Because sin gets in the way. So God wants us then to come back to him. Verse 11. 
Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, after, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Verse 12. Therefore, so in light of this, in light of the Lord's discipline when we need it sometimes, in light of the fact that we can be discouraged sometimes and need to look to Jesus. Therefore, strengthen the, hang, the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths. Everyone say straight paths. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. And on those two verses, 12 and 13, hangs the rest of this message. Because it's not up to God to make the paths. God has orchestrated paths for us. God has got a plan and purpose for your life. God has got a plan and purpose for my life. But it's up to us to make those paths straight. It's up to us to walk on those paths. God won't do it for us. God won't do it for us. And the reality is, we might become weary or discouraged. We might feel like we've got a, 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 a uh, a metaphor there, an image there of a body that is dislocated. You ever seen a dislocated arm? Anyone, anyone ever had a dislocated arm? Okay, so I've never had one, but I know it's painful. I know it's painful, and it's not in the right position as it should be. And God doesn't want our, our in this metaphor, our body to be dislocated. He wants each part to be in position, functioning as it should. So it gives glory to him. So rather than our parts being dislocated in the wrong location, it should be healed instead. So in light of this, thank you Jude. Remember, God's paths bring success, not distress. In this race of faith that God has called everyone to walk into, what is it that you and I can do? What is it that you can do to bring success to your life in 2017. Number one, God's past success success requires walking in, waiting. Who likes to wait? We live in a generation where we get impatient at the microwave, don't we? We have a generation that doesn't like to wait because we've got all the gadgets, we've got all the labor-saving devices. Turn back the clock 30 years. We didn't have half the things we have today. I was watching a film the other day. I can't even remember what the film was. And they, it was before mobile phones. So they had to stand by the landline waiting for a call. Now, that was only like a few years ago. But we don't have to wait now. We've got so many ways of communicating with people. Waiting, waiting. But we get the wrong idea for waiting. Maybe you're, you're praying for an answered prayer. Keep praying because God wants you to keep praying and God wants to meet your needs. But for some reason, he hasn't answered your prayer yet. The Bible teaches you and I about being persistent, but also about being patient. And there's a waiting that goes on. And waiting isn't a passive waiting. The Bible teaches about a waiting that is actually active. It's active. How can you wait for God actively? It comes down to daily disciplines. It comes down to living a lifestyle of, of worship. Of saying, God, I'm waiting for you. But in the waiting, I still know that you are faithful. It's keeping our walk with God, our relationship with God, even though we're waiting for an answer to prayer. 
If our life only becomes a case of praying for answers and God answering our prayer, it becomes like a Father Christmas. Doesn't it? But God is more interested about what happens inside us and being walking with us and being our Heavenly Father. And so he wants us to walk in us, walk with him even when we're waiting. Even when we're waiting for answered prayers or just waiting for something to happen in our lives. Waiting is purely, purely active. How can you wait? You can wait by just keeping that lifestyle of worship. That lifestyle that says, you know, God, I'm just going to worship you today. I'm going to worship you today. I'm going to do something today that's going to engage my, my soul with you. That's going to engage my spirit man with you. I'm going to feed my soul today. Many ways we can do that, but we need to wait in a way which is active. How's your waiting going? Are you waiting for something? Are you waiting patiently? But are you waiting actively? Are you feeding your soul? Are you walking with God in a very active way as you wait? Number two, requires walking in, in the word. We, we know what it is to feel hungry. We go without food for a few days, we feel hungry. We see on our TV screens people in far-off countries that really are hungry because they haven't got the basics to eat and water to drink. And when we go without our spiritual food, which is anywhere which can feed our soul, and one of those ways is the word of God, then we get malnourished. Don't we? We get malnourished. And so are we feeding ourselves? So basically, I mean, Chris said this today, we can come to a Sunday service once a week, but what are we doing between Monday to the next Sunday to feed our souls? What are we doing? What can you do to feed your soul from one week to the next? Because attending a Sunday service, as good as it is to gather together in our corporate worship, is not enough. So as a church, we've heard it before, we put on life groups as a way of just coming together in small groups and sharing. But also devotions. Peter said it today in the service. He and Anne will read the word for today. If you'd like to sign up to a devotion, we can give you the resources for that. And you can have your own paper copy or online copy through an email that comes to you. But having a devotion that comes in where you're saying on a daily basis, I'm going to be spending a, a time with God. is so, so important. Praying on the go. But getting God's word come into your spirit. Now, I'm not going to lie. The word of God is hard. It has to be handled. It has to be handled with care. Some people will read the words of this great book and apply everything to themselves without contextualizing it. We need to understand it and it takes wisdom. And there's this, but there's various resources you can, you can read to help you apply that to your life. But we need the word, the word behind the word to enter into our, into our hearts and give us strength for the course. God's path to success requires walking in word requires waiting, and finally, it also requires walking in wisdom. Wisdom is all about knowing how to act. God wants you to be a person that knows how to act, that knows how to walk. 
There's consequences to the way that you walk because there's consequences with God, there's consequences with other people. People are, as Paul writes, are watching your lives. They're reading the letter of your lives. So there's consequences. But God wants your life to be successful this year because you're making wise choices about how you are going to live your life. Yeah? How can you live your life which is a success? Making sure you keep and guard that regular time with the Lord. Looking at ways of, 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 of witnessing. Looking at ways of, of worshipping. But God wants you to know it's about how you walk in wisdom which makes all the difference. It's all about his path that's going to lead you to success. But the writer of the Hebrew says things come in the way. Things get in the way on our path. Discouragement. Who's ever been discouraged? Weariness. Who's ever felt weary? Sin. Who's ever sinned? My hands up for all three. Comes in. But God says, get back on your feet and start walking his path for your life. There's just three W's there, but there's so many ways. What is God's path for your life? God's path brings success, not distress. And do you know what? When we're walking God's path, you might have a calamity happening in your life, but you are able to cope with it because you are walking with the Lord. Amen? You are able to cope with it because you're walking with God. You could have the hardest situation come your path, and although in the natural, you, you know, you might grieve, or you can cope with it because you are walking with the Lord. But when we're not walking with the Lord, when we have to step away for various reasons, weariness, discouragement, or sin, then we can, we can feel more distress than what we ought to. But this is what the Lord says in Psalm 37. The steps written by David, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. God delights in your way. God delights in the paths that he has planned for you. And he's planned good things for you. He delights in them and delights in you. Those desires, those passions that you have, they're God-given. Walk in them. But David goes on to say, Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Do you know what? It's easy to fall. It's easy to fall down. I love when David describes in, in Psalm 18, he enlarged the path under my feet so that I would not slip. That's an image of the fact that I might fall down. Even though I'm trying my best, I might fall down. But the path is so large underneath my feet, I'm not going to fall off the path. If you keep God, keep on keeping on. You may fall. I'm not prophesying you to fall, but you may fall. But get back on your feet again. You may be, even today, feeling discouraged, weary, even after a time of a break. But get back on your feet again. Get back on your feet. Get back on the path. Get back on the path where you are feeding your soul. And your soul is growing. Your spirit man is growing. You're stronger in faith today than when you were a year ago. Despite disappointments or setbacks or people. Because people let us down, don't they? And we let other people down, don't we? Get back on your feet. Get back on your feet and continue walking your path and running your race. It's all about determination. 
It's all about making a decision. It's all about walking in wisdom. Amen. And I just want to take a moment right now just to pray. I know we've come to the end of our service, but um, I just want to pray. Because discouragement comes, and I don't know where you're at today, but I want to just include you in a prayer. Just if you take a moment just to bow your, your heads and close your eyes. Even the thought about making New Year's resolutions could be to you a thought of, oh, I don't want to do that. Or maybe today you're feeling full of faith and you're, you're fine. But today, I just want to speak into those. So if you are on the mountaintop, bear this in mind that in the future, if you do fall or discouragement sets in, get back on your feet straight away. But today, if you are feeling either discouragement, you're feeling a sense of a distance from God for whatever reason, you're feeling a sense of, of weariness, I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that the life of God, as Chris has prophesied this morning, the life of God would enter you again. You'd feel inspired by the life of God and that you would make a determination to get back on your feet. So if you want to be included in this prayer right now, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life.com dash cc dot org